At this time, I'd like to welcome today's guest to the show. He is the host of the excellent Paul in Pod, where you can hear some great stories about club cricket in North London. If you like a combination of cricket, wrestling and The Simpsons, then follow him on Instagram, at Don Van Dam, where he also has an excellent cooking channel at Philpy's Kitchen. You'll get your fill there. He is the Full Sail Live cricket correspondent. It's Tom Philp, ladies and gentlemen. G'day, James. Well, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me, as always. Uh, how are you, mate? You good? Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all, mate. It's a pleasure to have you on. Obviously, we had you on the TV show last week to preview the England-India series, and the first test is now finished with England running out convincing winners. What was your immediate reaction to the performance? Firstly, absolute elation. Um, I know in the, in the sports broadcasting industry, you've got to stay biased, but I do not. I am a card-carrying English supporter, um, so I was absolutely filled with joy uh, because I just didn't expect it to happen. I think last week when you had me on the TV show, I predicted a 3-1 India victory. And in my mind, the back of my mind, I wouldn't have said it out loud. I actually probably thought it was going to be 4-0 to India. So I was just so surprised and so happy that the boys managed to get the result. You mentioned last week as well that Joe Root would be key if England were to have success. He had another big innings with a 218. And what impressed you most about the England captain? Incredible effort. Just his fitness, um, his stamina, ability to bat a long period of time. Uh, so as you said, 218. And... Just being able to do it on a dead pitch, he made the pitch look completely different to anybody else in the game. He he played it with fluency, and it was really, really obvious that he's essentially just been batting for the last four weeks. Um, it was almost like he had one big net uh, practice session, we say in cricket, a net um, in Sri Lanka, and then just came out. He, he, he looked like he was playing, with a, playing a different game, really, a different set of rules. Um, played the spin incredibly well and that's really, it's becoming his main talent. I think we don't really think of many Yorkshire men who are known for their play of spin bowling but he's become a master and I think most people now would say that he's definitely the best player of spin that we'll see in this um, bilateral series. Uh, you mentioned his stamina there, how long did he bat for of the five day game? Well, England got bowled out late on day two because I remember that because there was calls for them to uh, whether they were going to stop batting so if you look at that he was in not first up on day one he must have batted for at least over 100 overs um, which would end up I bet it was probably getting close to six seven hours in the field and obviously that takes a toll on the on the body, but what effect does it also have on your mind to have that mental strength to be able to bat that long? Well, I've, I've never played a test of <laughs> magnitude as of yet. Um, but, it, it, you know, cricket's a funny game, James, and I, I don't want to go too deep into the, the science of cricket, but as a batsman, there comes a time when oftentimes it's very tough to start your innings, but after a while you, you grow in confidence and you start to watch the ball a lot more closely and things become easy. The, the hard part for most cricketers who play a normal game like I do on a Saturday or a Sunday um, is getting through the hard period early. But it, it seems to me like Joe Root, his mindset was just so elite and so clear. He knew what he was going to do from ball one. Um, and, I mean, you could see that in the second innings as well. I mean, I don't know if you want me to talk about second innings now or if 
Go, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, yeah. So when he when he was in the second innings, um, he got forty odd, well, exactly forty, and he he just looked so comfortable because his mindset was so clear. He knew that he was going to sweep the spinners, um, and he knew that he was going to defend the ball right under his eye line. No other batsman made the pitch look like that in, from day three, really. So he was the only batsman that looked to have any part of their game sorted. Uh, for the second half of the match. Um, and I think that comes down to just his mindset and his own confidence. He's obviously just an incredible Nick and just watching the ball so closely that he's almost um, imperious. Well, we can't not mention the fact that England took 20 wickets in this match, which obviously is a, you know, you need that to win the match, but it's a difficult task, especially when you're going abroad. Was there any aspect of the England bowling performance that surprised you? I'll tell you what I loved over the, the test match was Jack Leach. So, and he, so he's a left arm spinner for England. And he, um, the first innings, uh, Rishabh Pant really got after him, the Indian wicketkeeper. Scored 90 odd off not many deliveries, better than a right of ball, hit him for, I think, five sixes. And I mean, I, I think I felt all of the UK watching that because everyone loves Jack Leach because he's had some really heroic games, 90 on at Lords when he opened the batting as a night watchman, one not out with Ben Stokes in the miraculous Headingley test. And I think the whole of the UK were just looking at this and saying, no, please leave Jack Leach alone. He doesn't he doesn't deserve to be treated like this by Rishabh Pant. Yeah, yeah the shades of Simon Kerrigan in there. Yeah, it felt it did feel a bit like it might be the last time we see him, didn't it? And then, but he came out in the second innings, uh, four for seventy six. I I remember that because Don Best took the same figures in the first innings, the exact same figures. So, um, and I mean, he he looked like a great great spin bowler. He he just had an excellent day in the second innings. So, hats off to Jack Leach, four for seventy six. But really, the the moment of the match that people are going to remember forever is Jimmy Anderson, um, James Anderson. He he bowled one of the great overs I've seen in Test cricket, and I watch a lot. He he had the ball reverse swinging. It went late, um, and I mean he's a very humble Burnley lad. He, he didn't say too much afterwards. He just said, "Oh, I had a bit of a spot on the pitch that I could hit that was a bit worn, and the ball kept low." But he's a bit better than that. He's a bit of a magician. Um, over over 600 test wickets now. Won't be long until he catches Anil Kumble and becomes the third highest test wicket taker of all time. About that James Addison over, and you mentioned it, it is one of the great all-time overs in test cricket. Can you think of any better? There's obviously a couple of, of examples that come to my mind. I was wondering if there's any of it to yours that you think, where does that James Addison over rank in terms of the all-time great overs? I haven't, I haven't got the best memory for small snippets of matches like that. I often have a good memory for how matches make me feel or overall emotions of, of matches. But one that does stand out, I, I must admit, was Andrew Flintoff in the 2005 Ashes. Um, he bowled an over to Ricky Ponting, who at the time, there's no question, was the best batsman in the world. Um, and he, he roughed him up. I think he bumped him and then he knocked him over. Um, that was just, it's, and because of the because of the way it turned a match, I think that's the thing about how in cr- cricket's a bit different to other sports. I think maybe where statistics aren't always the most important thing; it's about impact on a game, and that's why that over from Anderson was so great. I think obviously he's got the most Test wickets of any steam bowler ever, any swing bowler ever, 
But it was just the fact that that over, he, he took two wickets at a time when England needed them. And there was a real chance that uh, Rahane and um, who else did he knock over? Rahane and Gil. Gil, Gil. It, yeah. yeah, yeah, Rahane and Gil. I mean, they, they could have batted all day. They're both coming off big runs in Australia. Two very, very good players. So, and then from there, England were on top and never looked like losing. And it's just, it's just the impact it had on the game. Well, so yeah, big impact from James Anderson. He, he may not play in the next game, as England have said, they'll be rotating players throughout this series for physical and mental health reasons. Uh, what changes do you see coming for England for the second test? Yeah, I, I feel pretty strongly about this, actually. I, I kind of, it's almost a plea to the English and Wales cricket board to change their minds. So Josh Butler, I think he might already be on a plane right now on his way home to see his family, which is very, very important um, in COVID times. But I, I just wonder if maybe even Joss himself, I'd like to ask him whether he might have had second thoughts and maybe wanted to stay on after such a great victory. Um, I would have, and because there's no doubt about it. I mean, we can, we, we can try to be coy all we want, but Joss Butler, for example, is in the England's best 11. I think that this game, um, you can make an argument for Stuart Broad, but on most pitches in most conditions, the team that they started with uh, in the first test was their best 11. And I'd really like to see that 11 start again, but it's not going to. So Joss Butler goes home and Ben Folkes will wicket keep. Um, Arguably now, a better wicket keeper in, in as, a, as a keeper. In theory, he's, everyone would say that he's technically better as a, as a Gloveman, but I just am worried about the lad because he, he hasn't played cricket really at all for 12 months. He's been in the England bubble, so he hasn't really played for Surrey. Um, and whilst he was in the England bubble, he hasn't been playing matches. So he really, the last time that he played test cricket was in Sri Lanka over two years ago, well, three years ago now, I suppose. And and not only that, but he hasn't even really been playing at all, even for his county. So that's a worry. Um, but, I mean, he's a great lad. He's the best-looking man in cricket as well. So um, I'm sure uh, I'm excited to see how he goes. I, I really, really like him. But I also would have liked to have the consistency of keeping Butler inside. Um, as far as the fast bowlers, as I, I mean... There's some talk that Moeen Ali might get a game uh, for Don Bess. I think, and I'm, I'm Moeen Ali's biggest supporter, but I think that might be foolish from England. Um, I think that Bess has shown signs of taking wickets even when he bowls poorly. I mean, he took another four wickets this game. Uh, I think, I, I, I haven't got the stats to hand, but it's something like, you know, 18 wickets in his last three tests now. And he, by his own admission, he hasn't bowled that well. So I think England need to stick with him. Uh, Moeen is another one that hasn't played any cricket for a long, long time now. So I think we'll see the two spinners stay together and Jimmy Anderson might get a rest. Um, it would be uh, England, they seem dead set on trying to rotate between Broad and Anderson. And if they've made their mind and they're going to stick with it, we could potentially see Stuart Broad instead of James Anderson. I don't think he could begrudge them that too much, but at the same time, I think Jimmy would like to play too. They both will, of course. So what impact that these changes might have, will that allow India to get back into the series? I, 
Um, I'm worried about making another pro-India prediction and, and uh, copping some stick on social media. I, I, I did. I had a few people actually message me after they saw the TV show um, and say, did I, did I want to change my prediction? <laughs> uh, but... I think I, I don't think India will play that poorly again. Now England played exceptionally. They would have beaten any team in the world playing that way. Back, win the toss, back, make big runs. Joe Root, a chanceless double century leading from the front. Spinners taking wickets, sharing the wickets around. James Anderson bowling one of the great overs in Test cricket history. You, you you can't play any better than that for England. They were well captained as well, but. India were not up to scratch. I don't know if it was a bit of a hangover after coming back from Australia. If you actually look at it closely, India had just come from playing in the, the bouncy wickets in Australia, completely different test cricket. They've come back, they haven't played any warm-up games at all. So it's it's one thing to say, oh, um, playing Indian conditions, you know, India will be like ducks to water. But if you've just had a six-month tour of Australia and haven't played a single game at home, you can expect they'd be a bit rusty. I say this in hindsight. Yeah. Last week. Um, so, yeah, I do think India will be better for the run. I don't think it'll necessarily be the personnel. I, I don't think India look at Stuart Broad as being a downgrade from James Anderson. I don't think India will think that Ben Folks batting at seven will be too much of a downgrade from Josh Butler even. Um, so he's a good batsman. And like you say, he's Raiders a better gloveman. So, not the personnel, but I just think India might be better for the run-out, for the, for the gallop. Would you like to change your prediction? I was going to ask that at the end, but you've brought it up now. Uh, would you like to change your prediction for the series following this result? Well, 4-0 India is not looking too likely. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know, it's interesting, James, I was having a bit of a look at what would need to happen for England to play in the World Test Championship. Uh, final in, at, at, well it's originally meant to be at Lords but there's talk that that's going to change um, and a so a 2-1 victory for England I think would be enough for them to play in the World Test Championship final I, my heart says that I would absolutely love to see that I still think that I can't see India not winning at least two of these last three Test matches so I I do think it's likely to be 2-1 to India or even 2-2. Yeah, because, and I'll I'll show you my work in there. I'll pull the curtain away a little bit. The third test is um, actually a day-night test and it's played with a pink ball in Ahmedabad. So I think that Jimmy Anderson will rest this test, come back to play that test with the pink ball. Maybe that's an opportunity for Broad and Anderson to play together. Um, with three seamers and only one spinner, I think with a pink ball under lights. And I think that maybe that three-pronged pace attack might trouble India a little bit more. So that's a long way of saying I'm changing my predictions from 3-1, which I thought that England might have won that day-night test. Now they've won another one. Let's go for 2-2. Excellent. Well, hopefully next week we might have you back and it will be a 2-0 England and we can get up to that... uh to 3-1 and then by the end of it maybe a 4-0 like, well yeah well I mean England keep, even I watch as much English cricket as anyone I think I not to brag but I watch a lot um, my body certainly shut down it this week after <laughs> setting the alarm for 4am for the last five days but I 
I mean, they, they can keep surprising me. I was surprised that they've won six away tests in a row, haven't they? And that's the first time since the war, that, since World War Two, they've done that. So, I mean, they, they keep surprising me. And they, you know what it is? They, they look like they love playing together. They're good mates, they enjoy it. And from someone who's played a lot of cricket, and you've played a lot of cricket too, how it, it is important at any level to enjoy playing as a group. Oh, completely, yeah, that's the... That's the especially for us. We're doing it as a as a hobby rather than a job. That's the main reason we play. So, and as people always say, if you can enjoy your work, you'll never work a day in your life, isn't it? So maybe they're getting a bit of that experience, especially in these tough conditions of the of the biosecure bubbles and without their families. I mean, it must mean a lot that they can rely on each other's company and, and enjoy it, like you say. One hundred percent. And you know what? It means a lot to us as well as the viewers and the supporters. Um, so you know, if, if you're listening, Jolly Root, thanks for all you do, mate. You really, really brighten the spirits back here in lockdown in, in England. I've got uh, one final question for you. We've um, we'd like to cover a bit of technology on this podcast, uh, sports technology, different cameras, um, that sort of thing. We've seen a bit of the new technology in the cricket match this week with the noble bleeper. Uh, what were your thoughts on the third umpire now being responsible for calling no balls? Absolutely love it. I think it's a great innovation. I think all I can think of now is why haven't they been doing this for a long time? Is it because the third umpire was enjoying their cushy job of not, not doing much, too much? I don't know, but I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. You know, it's a lot of people, I heard a lot of um, pundits say, oh, I can't believe, you know, Rava Chandra Ashwin, Ashwin, he's bowled his first no ball in his career. 15,000 balls, he's never bowled a no, no ball. And I, I just had to think to myself, well, obviously he's bowled a lot of no balls. He's just never been called before. Yeah, exactly. So all, all it shows is everybody has been bowling no balls consistently for a long period of time. Umpires haven't been calling them because can't blame them. It's a tough job watching the front foot no ball and trying to make LBW decisions on a turning wicket. Um, so, I mean, I think it's a great innovation for the game. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. It doesn't take any time out of the game. It, it's fine. Um, I probably might change the big klaxon though. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like an air raid or something. Yeah, I, yeah. May, maybe they could just have a quick whisper in the umpire's ear. But you never know. Maybe imagine if you had um, if you had fifty thousand people watching in a stadium and the klaxon went off and you know your team. Yeah, the cheers well, would be incredible, wouldn't they? Yeah, they would be. I think it might be it might be good fun with the crowd, but when it's just the the two teams and the umpires and the <laughs> maybe just a quiet whisper into the ground into the umpires ear. You must have done a fair bit of umpiring in your time playing club cricket. I have as well. How often do you actually call a no ball? Never, never. <laughs> do, do, you, do you ever say? Because I've been bowling and someone says to me, "Oh, watch your front foot, mate," as if like, yeah. well, just call it if I've done it. Like, but they always just keep. <laughs> I, I, I'm a leg spin, very slow leg spin, and I've had people try to call me for back foot no balls before, trying like because I've broken the return crease and stuff like. I mean, I'm like, mate, like any danger of just watching to see if this LBW is out? <laughs> is I, it, I, oh, this I could talk about this for hours because it's a real gripe of mine in in um, village and club cricket when you have people umpiring themselves, they think that it's their job to call no balls. I've always said. I watch where their foot lands for the first delivery. And then if it's well behind the line, I don't even bother looking again. If they're close, I might, I might, okay, I might need to have a look at this bloke here. But I I will only look for the first or second ball. And if, as long as it's fine, it's fine. They're not trying to cheat. I mean, I, I just, 
oh, I think people get too hung up on it. Any people look for an advantage for their team in any way they can. And it's, it's yeah, you, you do get umpires like that in in club cricket, and uh, it's part of its charm and part of its, uh, as you say, gripe and annoyance. But um, I won't uh, take up any more of your time, Dom. Thanks very much for uh, joining us. As we as we mentioned, you can. Uh, find Dom on the Pauling Pod which is available on, on Spotify is it iTunes as well Dom? Yeah Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud wherever you get your podcast from uh, it's normally every Friday during cricket season and um, at the moment it's sort of once every fortnight or so there's a little bit of an irregular uh, schedule Yeah so if you've enjoyed listening to Dom talk cricket here this is a more of a broader international series of cricket but it's really interesting to listen to Dom get these different stories out of people who play for his local club or friends of his people do want to check out Dom it's called the Paul in Pod available where all good podcasts are available and I say if you like food check out at Philpy's Kitchen on Instagram because you'll get some great either food envy or some ideas if you if you can cook yourself is there anything else that you, you've got going on Dom you'd like to you'd like to bring up no I think that's about it mate always at wrestling should be fun on the on the Instagram as well but um, yeah that that's that's about all for us James, we'll have to we'll have to get you on the pool and pod one of these weeks, mate. Oh, mate, I'd love it. I'd love to come on and yeah, talk about my uh, incredible career, but <laughs> and switch roles a bit. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, uh, thanks very much for joining me, mate. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get you on uh, sometime later in the month to talk a bit more about the series if we if we get the chance. I look forward to talking about the two two, James. Thanks for having me, mate. <laughs> thanks, Dom. Take care, buddy.